Hey, everybody. Welcome to Identical Cousins episode 20. 20, Brent. 20. 20. 20. 20 is a hugely big number. Two zero. Two zero. Wow. One more than 19. Hmm. That seems like a lot. It is a lot. And this episode is Brent's Grandmom. Let's play some music. Hello, Brent. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Pretty good. So um, I know a couple of our listeners have pinged me and you as well about, you know, having a little bit of a hiatus. And uh, of course, that happened due to a little bit of unfortunate tragedy in your life. So I figured we could take a little bit of time if you wanted and chat about it. Sure. Uh, Just about a month ago, my my grandma, my mom's mom, who was 85, entered the hospital. And it was not unexpected. Her health had been deteriorating for years, as you might expect in someone that old. Um, but it was clear that this was going to be her last trip to the hospital. And from there, she went to a hospice in Bridgeton, New Jersey, and uh, lived there for uh, a couple weeks before finally dying. And um, when she first went into the hospital, I, I flew like the next day from Seattle to Philadelphia and you know saw her as much as I could. Stayed with right. family. So I was there for, you know, three, three and a half weeks or so. Right. And, um, yeah, my last grandmother, my last grandparent. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. And, you know, you were telling me about her life and all the things she did and inspired you by. So I thought it would be kind of good to chat about her. And I think yeah. you feel the same way. Yeah. So she was a she was a public school librarian. And she also um, was on the board and maybe sometimes president of the library in her small town in Newfield, New Jersey, which is uh, way South Jersey. It's very... It's like North Dakota, only the ocean is nearby. It's <laughs> it's an interesting area. It's nothing at all like... It's not Jersey, Jersey. No, no. It's very, <laughs> very different. Extremely rural. And that yeah. small town, 1,500 people, if that. Um, very small place. And um, yeah, she loved books. And she. it's from her that I get uh, my own love of reading and writing, which is... You know, outside of friends and family, the the greatest love of my life by, by far, um, the most enduring and rewarding um, part of my life has been reading. Really, that's great. And um, yeah, so uh, she was a huge influence on me. And and I, when I look at my career and look at what I've done, it, it seems obvious to me that my career is really a blending of my grandmom and my mom. And my mom also loved reading, but my mom was a computer programmer. And so I write software that has to do with words, right? So I'm a computer programmer, but but everything I write, whether it's that Newswire, Mars Editor, Vesper, or whatever, words are a big part of it. Right, Um, right. Because of, you know, because of my grandmom. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's clear. I know when you were writing some of the stuff on the glass board, and even you and I talked about it. I mean, you obviously have a love of reading. Mm-hmm. Um, all, like you just said, all of your apps show that. And, you know, she was a clear inspiration on that. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got that from uh, my earliest memories. Where, uh, you know, I would pick up and hold a book and not even know how to read yet. But I just wanted to so badly. <clears throat> so I learned it as fast as I could. Well, that's great. Yep. Well, definitely my condolences and uh, glad you shared the story with us and wanted to. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely best, uh, you know, rest in peace, Betty Jane Davis. Betty Jane Davis, yeah. She was awesome. It's a great name, by the way. Very, very cool name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Movie star-esque. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, okay, well, you know, b- best wishes there. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll segue into, I don't know, talk about maybe some iOS 7 Maverick stuff. Sure, yeah, totally. So how about that developer center? Well, what developer center? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was funny because when it went down, it was like, you know, we're doing we're doing maintenance or something it started as. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a little bit strange, but whatever. I figured it was something ma- you know, minor, you know, and something normal. Yeah, right. But obviously as it started to, you know, each day it was like the p- layers of the onion peeling away. Mm-hmm. But you knew it was bad when like it was more than two days. Yeah. Like no matter what they said and no matter what happened, it was just like, what? Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you had seen that guy had come out saying that he did it because he had filed radars or whatever of, of security holes. Oh, sure, yeah. But then apparently, because um, actually I read, I read this follow-up on Daring Fireball, that it wasn't necessarily true that it was him. Mm-hmm. That um, I'm trying to find it right now really quick. But basically, that you know, it, it wasn't this guy. That this guy might have um, not breached it as he claimed. Yeah, so basically um, on The Guardian, it was just saying that um, they did an investigation and it raises questions over the claims of that Turkish researcher mm-hmm. who said that he hacked in and reported bugs. Right. And apparently a lot of people were getting password reset requests. Hmm. So that seems more like a real hack, right? Yeah, like a real, you know, yeah. um, a brute force attack. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, it's kind of strange how that whole thing went down. It sounds like Apple might've taken extra time to really plug things up. Like maybe they knew there were always problems, but they were always like pushing it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And then once it was down, they were like, forget this, we'll keep it down a week and we'll do it right. I mean, maybe, I don't know if I'm giving them too much credit. I'd like to think that most of that week was uh, testing rather than coding. I hope. And and testing in the sense of fixing the developer center, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like, I think once they had the problem, instead of them saying, let's just patch this up and get it back up, they said, let's just fix this. Mm-hmm. Like, they almost knew that these problems existed and kept kicking the can further. Yeah. And then once this happened, they made the decision, we're already down, we're already out, let's just, let's take this time to do it right. That could be. It's maybe, re- maybe. Yeah, really hard to know what, what went on. I certainly yeah. feel for the, the folks who had to spend... What I assume were um, some pretty stressful and long days working on this stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we all like to joke around. This wouldn't have happened if Steve were around and everything. But <laughs> I will say this. Of course I will would. say this. Yeah, well, it would have happened, well, yeah. right? But I don't, I, I seriously, I don't think it would have been down as long. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. And, you know, maybe that's the, the you know, look, I loved, I loved Steve's no-nonsense approach right Mm -hmm. you know how i am right Mm -hmm. i can definitely offend people because i just want to get shit done right but i love that in under steve jobs if something pretty much went wrong it was like he probably went ballistic until it was fixed sure and it just seems like under him had he still been alive it would have been up a lot quicker Mm -hmm. i don't know that's but there that's my vibe but we tend to forget there there are plenty of mistakes and and bad things that went on under steve oh no doubt you know and so this might have taken as long as it took, really. Yeah, just a week for something Apple being down. I really can't remember in past times something that was so long. Mm-hmm. Now, you can argue, because some people had said, oh, well, you know, it's inconveniencing. It's just the developer portal. 
Yeah, sure. As a developer, if you're trying to do an app or add something to a profile or do stuff, yeah, sure. It's definitely inconveniencing. Or if you didn't get one of the betas and you needed them, it's inconveniencing, no doubt. But this wasn't some business mission critical system. That was for us. Sure, sure. If you're needing, if you, but but you could still submit apps, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you could right. still you could still do your business. What I'm getting at is, I'm just saying business critical. Sure, right. Like like you wouldn't implode for for the week that it was down. Like I definitely get that it was a lower priority system. If iTunes Connect had been down a week, oh forget it. I mean that would sure. be like that would be insane, right? But still, you you might have you might not have made your um, uh, app store provisioning profile, and you might not have been able to submit your app in time. That you needed to get up because of some event that's happening in some time period. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, you, you don't necessarily need a profile. Right, so let's say you're working on an app like you were working on an update for Vesper. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to do testing because of the provisioning profile, but everything that's done in the app, you know, to submit. Yeah, I could have done that. You don't need yeah. the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's all sure. I'm saying is like to run your business and do things that were already in the loop. The developer center didn't really prevent anyone from doing business. It just was a huge, it actually showed how much we rely on developer center in our day-to-day life. Yeah, a ton. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you, though. I mean, it's, I just think a week of it being down was completely out of character for Apple and very, very bad. Hmm. On the other hand, it's an online service. <laughs> That's true. It's not like That's they're true. so great at those. It's par for the course, right? <laughs> it really is, yeah. So, you know, it's funny, I'm looking at the system status page and I know, that, well, it was actually cool that they did this, right? So at least if something's down now, you can see. Yeah, right. But would you believe here on August 2nd, the day we're recording, at 1.16 p.m. Pacific time, the Xcode automatic configuration, the member center, the program enrollment and renewals and technical support are still down? <laughs> really? I, I'm not even remotely oh, shitting God. you. Yeah. Unless they've forgotten to update this page, but no, all four of those pretty, I mean, technical support's pretty big, right? Yeah, that's huge, yeah. Member center, it's pretty big, Very that's your big. account. Yep. Yeah, Xcode automatic configuration, yeah. Important, yeah. And program enrollment and renewals. Wow. I mean, they did say that they have a contingency plan that basically if you're, if you're supposed to renew, they'll automatically keep your account going. Yeah, you hope. You hope, because right? So can you imagine, like, things yeah. have gone wrong already. Oh, dude, if I had right. a, if I had our account expiring soon, oh. well, that's why I, I like to renew early, just so you know. Well, sure. I always renew early. I, I'm not one of these last-minute people. But could you imagine, like, you're getting ready to expire, and now you can't even renew your account? Forget it. Mad, go nuts. Yeah, so... I, I'd like to was, point out, though, that I had downloaded all the WWC videos in advance and had them on my laptop. So the one thing I could still do during all see? this was watch the videos. See, but there you go. That's chance favoring the prepared. Right. Just because, you know, I, I do that only because, well, my internet could go down. Apple's thing could go down. Something could go wrong. So I get the videos. You might, you might be somewhere that you don't have an internet connection exactly. when you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought about, you know, maybe uh, selling them for five bucks a pop or something. <laughs> Black market WWDC. Yeah, well, well did you hear about the, Did you hear about the dude who put them up on YouTube? No. I mean, no one knows who it is, but basically, all the videos were put on YouTube. Oh, okay. And then, of course, dude, I love our I love our whole scene and like developer society. How everyone jumps right to like the worst things or like the craziest things. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, did Apple put that up? Oh, that would be crazy. And then people are like, well, this is BS. We're supposed to have an NDA, and they're posting these things. And <laughs> right. It just. It was just funny to watch everyone give every emotion and every like finger point that they could. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, Apple released a statement like, no, we didn't put these up and we're working with YouTube to take them down. And then, you know, it was right. down. But it was just so funny. Everyone got mad at Apple. Like, we're not supposed to talk about these and they're putting them up live. I love how idiotic rumors become accepted as fact in like oh, absolutely. one second flat. Well, it's, it's, you know, I try to. I'm not, I'm not the best. You know I'm not the best. I do my best, though, to try is, is to uh, apply Occam's razor. Mm-hmm. If videos are being posted on YouTube of WWDC sessions that are private, it probably wasn't Apple, guys. Right. And, you know, sometimes I get it wrong and sometimes I get it right, but I think Occam's razor is usually pretty right. Yeah, it's a good razor. It's a good razor. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a razor. Yeah, it is a good bar. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, so back to the whole iOS 7 Mavericks, how we got off on the tangent of the developer center, albeit a good one. Um, I have, I think we talked about this last time, maybe, but I think iOS 7, all right, so first of all, I assume you're running the latest beta. Yes. Okay, so obviously without saying too much, because you know, I got to watch that NDA, at least I'm respectful of it. Mm-hmm. Um, beta 4 is incredibly friggin' solid. Are there things wrong in bugs? Of course. I mean, there's stuff wrong in 6.1 that's a release, but considering the beta cycle of Apple, it is an incredibly solid beta. I had a list of things UI-wise that were broke or things that were clipped or wrong, and they're all fixed, and I'm shocked at it, actually. Cool. So I don't know what your experience has been, but I think it's incredibly solid from a how you're supposed to keep increasing a beta point of view. Well, this is really, I didn't get the chance to use the earlier betas that much. Uh, four is really the first one I've used extensively. Okay. And um, what's your impression overall? I mean, obviously, again, it's a beta and there's stuff wrong. There'll always be stuff wrong, but overall, yeah. overall. Man, is it dog slow on an iPhone 4? Really? Oh, geez. Brutally slow. Yeah, I could see that because I'm running it on the latest iPod Touch Mm -hmm. and there's some performance issues where I'm just like, oh, come on, guys. So, yeah, I guess if this is the latest and greatest, it's not going to be great on the oldest. Yeah. But. Or older. But like, you know, even typing is slow. It's crazy. Well, waiting waiting for the keyboard to come up. Did you notice that? Mm, Sure. Like you'll go into search mode and it's like, okay, where's the keyboard? Oh, there it is. So I had to figure, you know, they, you know, they do. um Interaction design and implementation first and performance last, which, you know, that's fine. It makes sense. Don't, don't optimize until, you, until you've got the other stuff nailed down and you know Absolutely what you need not. to optimize. So, that's the wrong direction for yeah, sure. I, I would hope and expect that it will get faster before it ships. But If I recall so, on an older iOS, I want to say iOS 5, mm-hmm. it was that way for a while. It had been really pokey and then boom, it just like got fast. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it is five or not, but I know that there was there was definitely a point where that happened. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens here. I also wouldn't be surprised if it's slower on older devices than iOS 6 was, because that kind of happens too. But yep. we'll see. So overall, what's your impression of it now that you've, obviously time has gone by and everyone's complained and all the things have gotten out. Da, da, da. Now that you know, you're kind of like, okay, this is it. And I've spent some time with it and I'm kind of focused on it. What's your overall impressions? Well, there's a lot to like, um, but let's talk about what I don't like instead. That's um, fine. So what, what worries me the most is that in a, in a certain sense, it feels like uh, a much colder operating system. You know, it's not as warm as the older versions were. Sure, sure. And that... I can see that. That combined with a lot of, you know... Um, white space or almost white space and the blurring stuff. Sometimes I I get the feeling, I used this metaphor recently, that I'm filling out paperwork 
badly Xeroxed smudged paperwork with spindly line art from a hospital in 1988. <laughs> I know. Here's the thing. I never thought of it that way, but I can see the visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, so like a little cold, a little bureaucratic, you know, the smudgy blurriness, the like, you know, the, the, not everything feels that way. Some stuff feels really, really fantastic. And, and I really like those parts. And the UI dynamics and everything, you know, the liveliness of it is really awesome. It's just yeah. that the, the kind of look of it sometimes. Well, here's the thing, you know, if the device that lives in your pocket, um, the, the thing you hold in your hand has to feel needs to feel intimate, right? It's, it's your right. close friend. You're holding it right next to your skin all the time. You probably spend more time with it than you do your significant other. That's sad, but probably true. And I didn't say I agree or want. I just said <laughs> it's just an observation. Probably, yeah, yeah, it's just an observation. And certainly for iPhone developers, that's absolutely true. It's a sad <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah. And, and iOS 7, eh, maybe it just needs to grow on me more. But it, it doesn't feel... Uh, as intimate it doesn't feel like a friend and maybe that's just because so it's so new but i think it's partly because it's it's just no, enough colder yeah you're correct so the whole thing i told you i loved about ios 7 although it's it's a nitpick of mine too and i am trying to get over it is it's lost personality it's lost personality what you said about it being cold or sterile mm-hmm. All of the design from ios as we know it right i kind of call it ios as we know it and then ios 7 right sure ios as we know it was always fun mm-hmm. and polished and detailed and rich and warm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go use all of these descriptions. But the thing is, with iOS 7, it's all about the content and less about the design. Mm-hmm. So you do lose that element of uh, almost polish and quality. You know, it's funny. Johnny Ive talks about when he talks about like, designing the MacBook Air, you know, oh, there's a detail and, and, and a, a reverence. And, you know, he uses all these kind of words of how, how, how much care and thought and the designs and the chamfered edges and on iPhones, right? Things like that. But what's funny is these little designs, these little, um, just little touches don't really exist in iOS 7. However, they exist with UI dynamics. Mm-hmm. They exist in the reality and the liveliness of things but the visuals, just the, the static visuals, have changed. Right. And I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think UI Dynamics, that the liveliness is a great step forward. I'm so happy. But the visuals just still uh, leave me a little chilled. I, I just well, want I will, a, little bit, a little bit of something, you know? Well, I'll also say when I use it, so I've, I've already, obviously, we're working on some stuff, um, as is everyone, as should everyone be. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're not working on iOS 7 stuff, I just don't even know what you're doing. I don't um, even know your name. Yeah, I, I don't even want to know your mm-hmm. name. Unsubscribe now. I forget what your name is. <laughs> and I think in what I've noticed, by not focusing on the design as much as it hurts or as much as it's awkward, the app is better. The, 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 the end goal of an app whether it be Vesper, a Fantastical, or whatever we're working on. The goal is to get the user to use it, get a benefit from it, and be done with it, especially on an iPhone mobile device. Mm-hmm. I totally see that iOS 7's direction does that. Mm-hmm. But when I use it, like, because obviously as I'm designing, I'm opening apps, and I'm looking at things, and I'm trying things out, and the only bar I can use now is Apple, right? Sure. Those are the only apps that exist. Right. There's, there's really feel 
like a letdown. They almost feel like really basic. You know, when you get like an example, like if you have like a Java SDK and it's like, oh, here's some example apps. Mm -hmm. They feel like example apps more than user apps, if that makes sense. Mm, Sure. They're very, very basic. Now, I think ultimately third-party developers will start to set the tone. You know, it's funny. Again, iOS, iOS as we know it, look at all the Apple apps that came. Maps, Compass, Notes. They were like the ultimate like form of skeuomorphism and detail and like apple apps went above right right if anything develop crazy yeah 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 Yeah, developers pulled that back and Mm. said oh let's make it a little bit but now with ios 7 apple's apps are like the ultimate in the other direction Mm -hmm. and when i do pull out my device with it on i'm almost like it's like uncomfortable using it do you know what i mean like and sure it's uncomfortable it's motor it's motor and muscle memory and all that stuff that's gone now i have to relearn everything mm-hmm. right if a done button might still be a done button but it doesn't matter now you have to see it differently and process it that'll get over that's a curve i get that sure but when i still see the experience the visual experience it's way way it's stark mm-hmm. that's the best way i could say it it's stark there are times when that gives me some usability problems um one one of the things that keeps biting me is in Safari, when you type in the address slash search bar and it prevents the, presents the different search results below, I have a harder time reading and picking out what I want to hit than I did in iOS 6. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And, and maybe that's getting used to it, but I don't know. I think it feels more like um, the design doesn't quite differentiate the, the rows or whatever as well as it used to. I'm not, I don't I know, have it in front I know of me, so I, you know, it's hard to say, but that's, you know, keeps, keeps hitting me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, um, like I said, I think just so many things have changed that the change is hard for any human, right? So just actually even getting your bearings with iOS 7 mm-hmm. is already frustrating. It's very frustrating to me. Like when I pull out the device, I'm like, ah, ah, you know, because I already want to do these motions and gestures that I'm used to. I want to be ahead of what I'm doing because right. I know what to do. And I always get frustrated. But mm-hmm. as I said to you, in, in some of the stuff we're working on and the design we're doing, um, the end result always blows my mind. Like, I start thinking about iOS 7 and what it, what it means, what the intent and the purpose is, right? They always talk about this intent and purpose, and it's true. And I would say that everything that we're working on now at the the end result always ends up like blowing me away like it's almost like you end up in a place that you didn't plan to end up like you plan to end up somewhere good but when you apply the stuff of ios 7 the flatness the ui dynamics all of the stuff that ios 7 is the end result is even better than what you thought it would be i don't know if you're finding that but i am yeah, we are too. Uh, yeah, as we're working on Vesper, and to a certain extent, we're feeling our way because iOS seven is new, and and we don't know a ton about it yet. You know, because we haven't had it that long. But as we're feeling our way, we're coming across things where, like, yeah, that's it. That's cool. That's super cool. And yeah, we're really happy when we when we hit those points. There's a bit of yep. trial and error and experimentation to get there, but that's fine. That's They'll always be trial. Yeah, exactly. They'll always be that. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally cool with that. But I do feel like, and I, I I told you, I think we talked about this. Uh, It's been, you know, it's been a while, so forgive me if we didn't. But I told you I loved iOS seven from the second I saw the video because I got that it was about the content, that it was about the, 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 the the information. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the impressing of a user anymore or 
you know, showing off. Right. And to me, doing productivity software and someone who's the ultimate goal is to make people's lives better. I love what iOS 7 wants to accomplish. I love the goal. Mm-hmm. And in, in actually designing for it and moving forward with it, and we're pretty deep now, um, I love it. I love it even more because, as I said, we, we had all these ideas of what to do, and then when they're actually done, they're even better. They're even more functional. They're even more what we thought we wanted in the end result. And I think that speaks to how great iOS 7 is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's all these people who say, oh, it was rushed and this and that, and they don't really know what they're doing and X and Y. BS. I know what the purpose was. I think things were rushed. I think certain design things were rushed. But the goal of iOS 7 is very, very specific. And I'm seeing it in better results of app design when the app is done, mm-hmm. at least for me. Mm-hmm. And sounds like you are as well. Yep. Excellent. So, yeah, uh, feeling good about iOS 7. And uh, I'm, still, I've been impressed. I'm still a little worried, though. I'm, you know, uh, well, a part of me wonders if, you know, we aren't um, developers in Apple. So I wonder a little bit if we don't have a kind of a blind spot. We don't know how no, no, no. we don't know how average people You're are right. going to take to this. Yeah, you are correct. I'm totally worried because yeah. it could come out. People go, "Oh my god, this is terrible." Yep. this thing sucks now. It's completely different. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I got to learn a new thing. Whatever. Oh sure, uh, yeah. That's, that's actually a good point to bring up because I think it's worth discussing. That you know, even though I love what I'm doing and working on, there's a huge concern of adoption mm-hmm. and 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 acceptance. This this could make the maps thing and the antenna thing all look puny in comparison. You know, Absolutely. one possible outcome is that this comes out and people universally detest it, and it's a major scandal almost. Well, you know what I find funny. So I had a bunch of developers on my Twitter. On my Twitter, is that even like a thing? Yeah, I made it a thing, so it's a thing. It's so funny. I've had develop. <laughs> Thanks. I've had developers on my Twitter when iOS seven came out who hated it try to prove how bad it was by, oh, I showed it to my daughter, I showed it to my son or my wife, whoever, right? Oh, they thought it was shit. They hated it. It was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's fine. I believe that, whatever. But I did a specific blind test with some friends and, you know, trusted friends and family because obviously, you know, you got to be careful who you show it to. It's NDA'd. Yeah. But I definitely was cautious. You know, I didn't show it to like someone that I know that works at Microsoft or something, although they could probably get it anyway. But my point is, I did a blind quick thing with family and friends and honestly, zero bullshit. Everyone loved it. Hmm. Everyone was like, Hmm. wow, it looks so modern. Oh my God. It's so much cleaner. Oh my God. The stuff is so easier to find like zero, zero bullshit, Brent. Everyone. I didn't find one person that said it sucked. Cool. Well, that's good. And I didn't, and I didn't do any influence. I just said, Hey, here's the new iOS seven. Cause I figured if I said, Oh, I love it. It's great. That's, that's influences them. Mm-hmm. So I just said, Hey, what do you think of this? This is the new iOS seven. First of all, they were like, Oh my God, how do you have that? Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you know, I make apps. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Da, 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 da. I said, just, just let me know what you think. Cause you know, some people like it. Some people don't just curious what you think. Mm-hmm. Everyone liked it. Mm, cool. That's, that's, that's a good indication. Have you shown it to like Sheila or any, anyone randomly just no. to get like quick, yeah, maybe, I mean, here's the thing. Show it to Sheila quick and just say, hey, here's iOS 7. What do you think? Yeah, she's not going to like it. <laughs> Did she not like iOS 6? iOS 6 wasn't that big of a change. None of the iOSs have been a Well, I mean, did she, like, did she like iOS as we know it? Yeah, oh yeah, very much. Okay, yeah. so why do you think she won't like it? Like, why are you so sure? Mm. Too simple? I don't know. It's, um... When she blog posts that she loves it, I'm going to hold that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'll have to get a blog first. I'm working on that too. It, it'll appear to her to be 
change for the sake of coolness more mm. than more than anything. And I think, you know, her opinion would probably change after a month or two. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that is kind of a common perception that like, yeah, okay, it's cool, but why would you change just to make it cooler? And then it, you know, after a little while of using it, you realize it's more than just coolness or a lot of real Absolutely. substantial things. But Absolutely. right off the bat, you know, certain certain people are going to say well, great, it's cool, but you just screwed with me just for the sake of coolness, so screw you. Well, change is hard, right? So everyone, including myself and yourself, as soon as you see something different, you're like, oh, right? Like, you just you don't even want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating, right? Sure. So right away, you... I mean, even with iOS 7, I told you I loved it right away, but I still was like, oh, no, a new thing. Like, you know, sometimes a new thing is bad, right? Mm-hmm. I like what I use. When I, when I use iOS 7 now, what's funny is I go back to iOS 6... And I'm telling you, it looks old now. Like it has that heavy, I don't know, it just looks old. Like, you know, when I used to see things from like computer series or movies from like the 90s, they would like overdo things and make it look over, mm-hmm. over technical. iOS 6, the iOS as we know it, I'm telling you, like six months from now, once everyone is so fixed and focused and, and caught up with iOS 7, you know, you know, comfortable with it, they will look back at iOS 6 and be like, oh my God, this thing was completely over the top. Because mm-hmm. I already have shades of feeling that way when I go back. And keep in mind, I'm only using iOS 7 very part-time to design. I'm not using it full-time. And I'm already seeing that sort of, or I'm feeling that sort of way when I go to iOS 6. Sure. Well, I, I actually have installed it now on my carry-around device, my main oh, phone. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm iOS 7 full-time now. You're all in. Yeah. So, But I still get the iOS 6 experience if I launch an app that hasn't updated, so... True. Uh, and in fact, I yeah, use but I think once glass oh, sorry, all the time, so I'm constantly living in iOS six land in a way. Yeah, I think once iOS seven goes full native, like everything is, mm-hmm. if you were to just let let's say time go by because you'll forget about it, right? Right. And then just randomly boot up iOS six at some point and go through some apps, you'll be like, what? Like, oh, oh my god. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even just looking at uh, Springboard at the different icons, you know, I can see the ones that. Well, that they're gonna have to update that one and that one and that one, and you know they kind of stand out. It's it's funny. They look old. It's true. Yep, that's how it works. So let's see what else. What else? Um, yeah, I just I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely going to be reaction, and people will be talking about it, and there'll be an adoption curve and whatnot. But my quick take from a very small sampling of family that was here. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. Maybe it was July 4th. Yeah, I think it was July 4th. You know, it was just here. And I was like, hey, check this out quick. Um, everyone re- reacted favorably. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, my my hope is that it's a huge hit and everybody loves it and iPhones sell even better and we all sell exactly. more software. And that's, exactly. that's what I want. And there's, yeah, there's so much to love. But it's a risky move. Apple knows it's a risky move though too. Another cool thing was a couple of my friends have showed me their designs because, you know, they want input from me or whatever critique. A couple of the apps that I've now seen that we'll just say a bunch of them are major apps that like set the bar for iOS 6, you know, the iOS as we know it. Mm -hmm. The change that they did to make it iOS 7 ready, which is very, I mean, it's, let's put it this way. Everyone's making the same change. You're going flatter, you're going cleaner, you're going more information, right? Everyone knows what to do, I think. I think it's pretty clear. Sure. But it's pretty incredible when I see what they've done. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I, I, I swear, like I told you, it's almost weird how our app in the end of the day that we're working on is better mm-hmm. at the end than what we pictured it. But like, if I had pictured what their apps were going to do the way they showed it to me, it, it, w- it would have been less than what I saw. Like, it just seems by focusing on this flat design and making it about the content, the app ends up being better without you even realizing that it's better. Mm-hmm. And every every app that I saw, there were about four that, that I'm currently doing critique on, all of them surprised me. Cool. Like, like, where I was like, wow. Like, I was expecting it to be flatter, where I was expecting it to be, like you were saying, a hospital blank space smudged weird thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the problem. Apple's apps have set this bar of mediocrity. I hate to say it, but I feel like their apps are so simple. And I think the third-party apps in this case are going to be the ones that's, that, that are kind of the bar setters or the impressing ones, not the Apple apps. Right. So that's, a, we'll that's an interesting point, though. We, we're learning about iOS 7 as beta testers of the iOS and as users of Apple's apps. But as developers, you know, we're not seeing the rest of the ecosystem's apps. So we won't really know that much about iOS 7 until it ships and we see what our fellow developers have made. Because that's going to set a lot of the tone for what is and isn't iOS 7 like. You got it, brother. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really how it is. And I see iOS 7. This is, again, why I'm excited. I see iOS 7 as more of the developers leading the way than Apple, where I think on the old iOS, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, it was Apple that kind of set the bar. I think it was Apple that set the bar for a long time. And then in the past couple of years... Uh Correct. Developers I'm talking from the beginning, lead. though. Yeah. Like, from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, no, for sure. But you know what I mean? Like, in the beginning, it was Apple that was the beacon where everyone was like, oh, I want to make my apps that shiny and pretty and detailed. Yeah. It was almost inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's going to be the developers' apps that are the inspiring ones. And maybe, hopefully, Apple will even improve their apps because of our inspiration and input. Yeah, I I, I hope so. I think you're right that, yeah, the, the uh, third-party apps are what's going to be really, really interesting. By far. So here, here's another idea that I had. Uh, I've thought about this a little bit. I'll throw it out there. If you think it's crazy, tell me. And I'll still think it anyway. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So what if Apple intentionally made their built-in apps as minimalistic and simple as possible, knowing that people end up buying replacements? So for example, Fantastical, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to buy a better calendar. Apple doesn't want to spend the time and resources to make the ultimate calendar app. They just want to make something that's basic, right? Yeah, right. And what if Apple? What if Apple's new approach with iOS 7 was, we're going to make a calendar app, and it's going to be the basic calendar app. Why are we going above and beyond? Let's just make it. Mm-hmm. Sure. It almost feels like their apps, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, if you had an SDK and you had example apps, it almost feels like the apps that they are bundling now are so simple that they made a conscious decision to make the apps, hey, these are the basic apps that come bundled. Go upgrade if you want more. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, right, they, and right. they may not have thought about it that way, but they got to the same place, which is, you fair know, enough, these, fair enough. these are, you know, standard iOS 7 productivity apps. And this is what yeah. a standard iOS 7 productivity app looks like. You could take off from there, but this is, this is like, this is your baseline. Yeah, sure. And, and sure, yeah, that totally leaves developer opportunities open. Because I just feel that way. I feel like in, in the, the iOS that exists today, the built-in apps were good apps. I mean, sure, you, you would upgrade if you didn't like calendar or whatever. But I feel like the apps were more, just just more. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, I feel like the iOS 6 prior apps and prior apps are, are some more, just more, more tangible. Mm-hmm. 
And and they, um, they did some nice things though, and the you know the current calendar has some cool animations that didn't exist before. Cool transitions, I should say. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, it's, it doesn't hold a candle to Fantastic Hal, of course. Including the including the day ticker, right? Right. Yeah. I told you that story about WWDC when they were showing the iOS seven calendar app, hmm. and you know, in the new uh, in the, in their view, they they basically copied our our day ticker, of course. And during the presentation, I think you could see it. In, well, you could see it in the video. It was recorded. He refers to it as the day ticker, uh, like by mistake. He's like, "So here's the day ticker. I mean, the week view." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I, like obviously internally, they talked about stealing mm-hmm. it because why would he say that otherwise? Oh, here's the thing. I'm honored. Like everyone's asked me, "What do you think?" I'm honored, dude. Like Apple copied our idea. Why shouldn't they? It's a better idea. That's how sure. the whole ecosystem advances, right? We yep. steal from Apple, Apple steals from us, and at the end of the day, we have a better platform. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I think the reason why the Apple platform is so good is because everyone steals from everyone and the best ideas win. Right. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds me of something a long, long time ago. When Safari, when they were adding RSS to Safari, uh, I was told, and I don't know if it's true, but I was told that the code name for that effort was Emerson. Now, if you say Emerson to anybody who knows a little bit about American literature, the first thing they think of is Emerson's famous book, Self-Reliance. Uh-huh. So I couldn't help but think that that, that code name uh, was an effort to not have to rely on third-party apps like NetNewsWare and so on for RSS. I don't know. Huh. No, I mean, wh- why not? Yeah. Beats me. Why not? No, no, I say, I say why not? Mm-hmm. So, what, what, okay, so here's an interesting thing. People say Apple copies you, it's over, right? We came out with Fantastical, Apple ended up adding natural language to Mountain Lion's calendar, I think it was Mountain Lion's. Everyone was like, oh, you're doomed. Mm-hmm. But the way they did it wasn't as good as ours, which I'm surprised they still haven't changed it because the way theirs works is you type something in, you hit return. If it's wrong, you have to go back and edit it. It doesn't give you the dynamic feedback. Right. But the thing is, is the more that Apple does this sort of stuff, dude, when they add the day ticker to theirs, then when someone downloads Fantastical, guess what? They know what the day ticker is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. Apple adding one password, everyone was like, oh, one password's doomed. Apple added this. Bullshit. One password now has more customers because Apple gives the basics. And then when someone says, oh, I need a little bit more, guess what app they're buying? So I think it's really good when Apple copies stuff because, again, they're educating people and they're giving them good functionality. And then people can decide if they want more or not. Yep. Well, I've said many times that when Safari RSS came out, NetNewsWire's sales doubled. Yep. Hey, cool. There you go. That's how it works. I wish Apple would come out with a notes app. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a good notes app. They have a good notes app. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The, the, the Apple Notes app is fine. It does does what it's supposed to do, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. What do you think overall about the Notes app of how they changed it in iOS 7? Because I'm sure you saw they got rid of the fonts and the, the, the... Obviously, they got rid of all the skeuomorphism, but what do you think about overall? Well, it still has that paper background, right? Grainy, textured yeah. paper background. Uh, yeah, but it's not lined. I don't. If I recall right, my memory, sure, it's not sure. lined. It's 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 still yeah, surprisingly yeah. ornamented. Is I guess correct? My, yeah, my point about it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, getting rid of that font, geez, a huge, huge step in the right direction. 
Otherwise, I've barely touched it. I don't know. I, I write my own notes at. What do you think? What, what, I mean, what do you, you wrote yours, but I mean, what do you think overall about their approach of scaling it back, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, it's the right way to go. The old notes app was insane. Huh. The old one, to me, from, from an iOS ecosystem point of view, was, to me, crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think it was an appropriate app for what it should be. I just couldn't get over the way it looked. And I, I, from the very beginning, from the first iPhone, I never used the Notes app because I just couldn't stand it. It's really hard to use, right? Right. And, you know, that font and the lined paper and all, all this stuff. I just, I, it was like the one app all along that I've just really, really not liked. Just based on pure looks. What, uh, what other apps did you feel that way about? Uh, you know, Game Center always was, was crazy. Of course, that came along yeah. later, but... Um, yeah. You know what's funny about Game Center, actually, to me? Have you seen Game Center on iOS 7? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is that app? They're just destined to make that app weird? I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's all you can do with like, Game Center, right? Like, like in Game Center, the thing is, Game Center on iOS 6, all that felt and, 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 and game crap, I got used to it, right? At least I was like, all right, well, it's gamey. You know, I'm in mm, Game Center. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm in the Game Center. Mm. Whoop-de-doo, right? Whatever. But now they've just made it, like, bizarre. Now it's like, you know, I don't know, like uh, rainbow-colored bubbles. Mm -hmm. And they added these cute little dynamics to it and stuff. It's interesting. Yeah, sure. But I don't, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, that one I don't get. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a app you don't you're not actually in all that often, so it's fine. Does that make sense? That's yeah, no, no, that's true. It's yeah. something you're only using occasionally, yeah, sure, or when you need to. Yeah, right. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So let's see what else. What else? Um, I think as we talk about Mavericks a little bit, I've been using Mavericks as well, and it's very surprisingly good. What do you think? I haven't installed it. I haven't. I don't think I've ever actually touched it. We haven't even installed I'm not it. even a Mac developer, a registered Mac developer. Really? Yeah. A little bit of me inside just died. I know, I know. I'm a Mac developer at heart and a Mac developer f foremost. But at the moment, I uh, don't have Mavericks. Huh. Well, I can tell you it's very good. Cool. Cool. What's good about it? Feels, just feels good. Uh, they've made a couple little changes, like even like in the system preferences, they're using a different font. Um, I mean, it's tiny, but I'm just saying like, they've thought about a few little things here and there. Obviously this, the tags, you know, finder tags and finder tabs mm -hmm. are really cool. Um, the performance is better. I mean, the whole thing about Mavericks is that it's basically taking OS 10 and polishing it up and adding things that everyone always wanted and kind of fixing all of the problems. Okay. Um, it's, it's just, I would say, you know, it's the best version of OS 10 ever. It's not adding a ton of stuff, mm -hmm. but it's doing... It's doing, for, at least I think, a really good upgrade to the operating system. I think... T I was talking... Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, two, two parts interest me most. Um, tags in the Finder. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Also, the improved multiple monitor support. 
so I could have yeah. full screen on my little monitor and other windows on my big one. And thank you for reminding me of that because I have a Thunderbolt display mm-hmm. and you know you plug it in and then you know in the windows when you unplug your main display on like my MacBook Air, everything gets all screwed up. Mm-hmm. They finally fixed all the window positioning and memory stuff. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Yeah, after like, after like what, like 25 years or whatever? Yeah, right, 35. I don't know, long time. That's cool. My previous favorite OS X release was Snow Leopard, which was a great release because it was mainly about performance and stability, but especially performance, it seemed to me. It was just so much faster than um, Leopard was. Yeah, no, it, was, it, felt, it felt like the major upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the, but there I were like feel- no new features practically, but... Uh, but it was that's how Mavericks is. Okay. That's how Mavericks is. Like, that's the thing. Like you should try to at some point install it or, you know, whatever comes out. But mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like personally with OS 10, every update they've always done, they've ever done since like, I don't know, 10, four, 10, five. I just feel like every upgrade has been good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mac always gets better and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah, that's with, probably yeah. true. Yep. So when you check out Mavericks, I think you will like it. I think 10.7 was a little rough right at first. Yeah, eh, but by 10.7.2 is okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, let's see. We're on about 45 minutes. I don't have much else to talk about. We can get to the glass board. And then uh, do you have any, any other topics from your end? Anything exciting you saw? I mean, we don't have to talk about Mac iOS stuff. You can tell me just funny stories or jokes. I don't know. Whatever. Hmm. <laughs> Guess what? What? Chicken butt. Ah, you got me. Ah. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, I will. I will announce. Um, I don't know if I don't think you're going to be there, but I will be at CocoConf in Portland. Oh, okay. When's that? So we will get that in the release notes. Uh, August fifteenth and the sixteenth. Okay. And uh, that's in Portland at the uh, Embassy Suites. It's the Portland Embassy Suites at the airport. Sure. Yeah. And uh, my, I'm speaking, what am I actually speaking? I know I'm speaking on the first day. I just get the schedule, so I make sure. So I'll be speaking on the 15th um, in the evening. I'm doing the uh, after-dinner keynote. Okay. So everyone will, be, everyone will be all, you know, fat and full and won't actually even listen to what I'm saying, yeah. as, you, as, as per usual. What, what will you be talking about? So I've looked at my talks over the years. It's always been about making successful apps. And... I've actually sat down to write talks on design. This is how you should design an app, or this is what should be done. And every time I write those talks, I always feel awkward doing them because every talk I've gone to where it's a design talk or something, they always feel like there's a specific direction of that designer or that speaker. And that's fine, as there should be. Every speaker, every designer has a different direction and viewpoint. But I've always felt like the best thing I can do is give experience from my failures and successes and try to inspire app developers that yes, they can do good apps. Yes, they can actually succeed. I mean, whether they do or not is up to them, right? But I just feel like talking about the ingredients that are necessary for app success, how the icon's important, the design is important, and the marketing is important, and the pricing is important. All of the things that are just discussed, inspired, and mentioned, and reminded, I really feel like that's the best kind of talk I can give because I have this experience of being successful and of having a lot of failures as well. And everyone that comes to me after my talk always says, oh, that was great advice. I forgot about this or I forgot about that. And I just think if I was to do a design talk or something specific on one subject, I, I always feel like one size doesn't fit all. And I feel like those kind of talks, I wouldn't be doing a good service. So with the long answer behind us talking about app success, the ingredients necessary and the things that you should be thinking about. 
Do you ever get the feeling that all of these types of talks can be basically be boiled down to this? The people who succeed are the people who wanted it more. And because they wanted it more, they worked harder and they worked. You know, it's awesome. Awesome that you asked me that. And I'll tell you why. As I was mentioning, when I have been sitting down, I've been trying to write new talks. Like I've been trying to write new topics. Like at the end of the day, I've, I've always updated my talk. I've always added new information. I've always tried to change it up. I mean, obviously I'm speaking to different audiences, so there's not even a need to, but it's always good to improve yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. But for my talk, I've like, well, what else could I talk about? And I kind of look at other talks. Yeah, I definitely feel that if I look at the people who have been successful or the people who have had the best apps, surely they did all of the details. But they also really, really, as you said, wanted it. They actually just kept doing it until it was good. They threw things away or they cared or they hooked up with the right people, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. You can can pick every single detail. But that's why my talk that I've been giving over the years and that – I love giving about inspiring people, the people who can be inspired and the people who are going to hear me, I think my information is going to help them. Mm -hmm. The people who can't be inspired or aren't thinking about these details, they're just sitting through my talk. They're never going to get benefited. I can't do anything about that. And whether I talked about design or something specific, then it wouldn't help those kind of people anyway. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not one. Of, I'm not a speaker. I mean, maybe I should be and, and like <laughs> lie, but I'm not a speaker that I think I can get everyone to have successful apps. I can lead you the way. I can show you the path to the water. I can't make you drink it. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep it real. I mean, you know, there are. There, I've gone to a couple talks where, you know, some of the speakers are definitely like, "Oh yeah, just do this and you'll be successful." And I think that's really a bad service. Yeah, it really it's is. it's a big disservice, isn't mm-hmm. it? I say that a lot in my talk. I mean, you've heard me speak where I'm like, this isn't a guarantee you're going to be successful. It's up to you. But these are the parts and pieces you have to have. And as I said, I've had people come up to me saying, oh, I didn't really know how important that was. Excuse me. I never really thought that the icon was that important. And these are small details that we take for granted. These are the things that we do every day, day in and day out. But as crazy as it sounds, I mean, you know this, Brent. There's a big world out there, and there's a lot of people who don't know. They're new. They're coming to CocoConf. They just became iOS developers six months ago. They don't know the icon's important. Mm -hmm. They don't know how important performance is. They don't know why you need to be thinking about the interactions and all of that. So I, I always feel whenever I'm giving my talk, I'm like, man, all these people know this already. No, they don't. So yeah, I like... I definitely like giving inspiring talks that give people the tools to go do what they do and then let them make the decisions. Because I think the second you give a talk about this is the best way to do something, wrong. It's the best way for you to do it. One size doesn't fit all. Mm-hmm. I've occasionally thought it would be fun to give the shortest, shortest, most honest talk in the world, which would be to get up there and say, work hard and don't quit. Thank you very much. Drop and, and, and then drop the yeah, mic. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? It was like it reminds me of. I want to say it was uh, back to school with Rodney Dangerfield, mm-hmm. where he was like, "Stay with your parents. It's a hard world out there. You're never going to make it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like the best talk would be like, "Listen, this whole app store game is a fucking shithole. Don't get involved." And drop the mic. <laughs> so I have a I have a story I should share right now. Actually, speaking of a fucking shithole, mm-hmm. I don't know if I. Here, here's the thing. I don't know if I want to share it because. Here's the thing. A part of me is saying, well, of course that means you want to share it. But all right, so let me ask you a question. If I had an idea for something that I was going to do about a year ago, and then we never got around to releasing the app because we've been busy with other stuff, mm-hmm. and then the app actually came out from someone else and was successful, mm-hmm. 
is it worth mentioning it was my idea first? Or does it, it ends up sounding like then I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, wow, wow. You should have done it then, right? Ideas are cheap. Uh, if you had an Execution I- is everything. Yeah, if you had an idea. Well, the thing is we executed it. The sad thing is we executed it as part of something else. Mm-hmm. And then as the something else was taking longer, I said, let's break it off into its... It doesn't matter. I didn't do it. End of story. All right. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I think so. I, you know. All right. Well, there you go. So, so, so wait. Actually, this is a good point for listeners and a talk. I can add this to my talk. Mm-hmm. This is actually perfect, right? Because if someone can learn from a mistake, that's the best, that's the best outcome. Sure, yeah. If you have an idea and you think it's good, and you don't execute it, you and no one else are responsible for your failure if it doesn't happen. Here's another um, related thing. Having, getting credit for an idea is worthless because nobody's going to remember and nobody cares. You had to, you had to actually you know, make the thing. If a, Correct. Th- if a thing exists, that's, that's completely different. Well, no, the part for me is not the credit. The part that me that sucks is I knew this would benefit people. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, you could say, well, fine, seeing someone else doing it is wanting credit, but knowing that I could have shipped it sooner and got it out and that it obviously was a good thing is what's frustrating. Mm -hmm. But again, that's a good lesson for everyone. If you believe in something and you think it's a good thing, don't second guess yourself, make it, put it out. If it sucks, then it sucks. Move on. Right. I'm really fired up about this because the truth is, is I knew it was good and I don't know what pushed me not to do or what didn't push me to do it. But well, you had other good things to work on as well. Sure, but it's still frustrating. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, let it be a lesson for me and everyone else. If there's something you can you really want, all right, sure. If you have other stuff like you just said to me, you have to prioritize. Yeah, but I have I have more good ideas yeah. than I could finish in the rest of my career. Just like yeah, right I now, know. stuff I would love to work on. Really, oh, I struggle with that all do. the time. Yeah, I, I struggle keep with it because things like, and like oh, you want to make it right. Mm-hmm. You want to make it. I them. do. I yeah. do. but can't. Not not enough time. Yeah, I know. Well, it's either hire more people or don't make them. Or more people, more money, more problems, right? So. Well, sure. If I hired enough people to make all these cool things I wanted to make, they wouldn't all end up being as good as I wanted to. Because there's no way I could stretch myself that Focus, that Focus yourself. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. All right. So uh, CocoConf Portland, uh, August 15th and 16th, coming up pretty quickly. Uh, tickets are still on sale. So if you're in that area and you want to come see me and some other great speakers as well. So uh, Seattleites, just take the train. It's a great way to go to Portland. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, maybe you'll even show up. Who knows? I, w- I will not be you around available. the 15th and the 16th? No, no. Otherwise, it would have been fun. Potentially? No. Nope. You're gone now. I don't hear you. You might hear you me, hear but me? I don't hear you. I hear you. Now I hear you. That's excellent. Okay. All right, I'm good. Here. Well, that means that I can just not edit that out and everyone will just ignore it. Okay. Um, are you going to be in Seattle 15th and 16th? No. All right. Well then there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. So yeah, so that's, um, yeah, I'll be speaking on the 15th. Check out Coco. Conf. So let's see. And we do have some glass board stuff if you want to, uh, before we hit glass board, it, it reminds me that I will be speaking at 360 IDEV in September. So we'll uh-huh. put that in the show notes too. And what I'll, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what I'm what I'll be doing is talking about uh, instead of using core data for your data, uh, using SQLite and FMDB. Why you might want to do that, and some cool strategies for making that work really, really nicely. Excellent. This will sadly be the first 360 iDev that I will miss in four years, five years. Oh no. Yeah, kind of bummed. 
but stuff is going on. There's always things. There's always things. All right, cool. Your talk sounds like it'll be excellent. Good tip for those people using those type of things. Yeah, technical stuff. It's fun if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely. Uh, Shall we get to the glass board? Yeah. So let's see. Um, There's not much... uh, there were some questions that were asked to me about clarifying things. I won't necessarily read those because we can get the glass board. The main thing that was asked was uh, Rob Pearson was asking or suggesting that we talk about the thought we put into building our own companies and the websites, the product info, landing pages, um, how some companies have a minimal online presence and others have rich presence, pros and cons. Um, so, you know, as a good example of that, I guess, you know, if you look at the Flexibits page, we have a product page, a support page, and a store. Obviously, you only have an iOS app. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you, look at, if you look at QBranches or Vesper's app's website, it's very minimal. It's basically like, yeah, Vesper, collect your thoughts, and then there's a link to the app store, right? You keep a very minimal page. Um, I'm actually, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to load it now, and it's not loading your page. I can't tell if that's my connection or your page. Hmm, let me give it a try. Is VesperApp.co down? Oh, now it's loading. It was just slow. That's weird. Yeah, it's loading for me. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So it comes up. You have a beautiful picture of the app and a beautiful boy on the screen and a link to the app store and then quick Twitter link and a support link. But you don't have an overall you know, product page. You don't go into what it is. You rely on the app store. So exactly. I, think, I think from Rob's question is the thought that went into building the company's website. So I'll just quickly get into how we did ours. You can get into how you did yours and okay. hopefully Rob yep. will get some answers. So with Flexibits, um, you know, I, I'm a products guy for sure. I think information is important. I think the more you can tell someone about the app in terms of having a video, information, screenshots, the people who don't care will go right to the store. The people who care, this information is helpful because it talks to them about the app. It gets them more involved. It gives them things that they may want. Um, an app store description, of course, is text and some screenshots, but there's nothing like some level of interactivity. So having a video is really helpful. Having information is helpful. Um, quotes from the media, like we'll have quotes on our page. Uh, it's not just braggadocio. It's actually like telling people specific quotes of what the reviewer liked, which may say to the user, oh, wow. You know, for example, on Macworld, it's Fantastical is a great package with an attractive interface and some impressive options. Now, someone could obviously glean that from the website, but by seeing that in a sentence, someone might go, oh, well, this, this is a good app, so I'll check it out. So the more information I feel you give, the better. The more rich of the experience, the better. After all, you know, we're talking Mac iOS. Um, and then having a support page that people can do self-help, frequently asked questions, showing the release notes of what's changed, when it came out. Um, in our case for Mac software, license retrieval. All of those things make the user experience better and obviously cut down on support. If you just drop someone right into support, you have to answer every question. If you have frequently asked questions, tips and tricks and things on your own website, people do self-help. So yeah, so I think, I think overall the experience of having a product page, videos, things to look at, information, uh, support, self-help, uh, blog, things like that. Everyone then gets more information. They have a better experience. They hopefully buy your app and it obviously helps them with support, helps you with support and everyone has a better experience and that's it. That's all I got to say. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do more on our website than we currently are doing. Um, but it was obvious. One thing is obvious right away, which is that the main product page has to be in the iTunes store because not everyone is even going to 
get there via your website, but they have to get there in order to buy the app. They have to go to the iTunes app store page. So the one place you for sure have to do a good job and have a good description and screenshots and all that kind of stuff is in the iTunes store. And furthermore, the only place you can actually click a button and buy and start downloading the app is on the iTunes store. So I think what we, the way we approached it was make sure that that is the best we can make it and then have the website have as its single goal just to get you to the iTunes, iTunes app store page where you can read more about the app and buy it. I think that's about, that's about how we looked at it. I, I suspect, of course, you know, were we to add iPad, Mac versions, web version, whatever, uh, you know, our website would have to get more stuff. Uh, but I think that that primary goal of getting you to the app store will still remain the primary goal. All right. Well, there you go. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that answers the questions for James. I think it was James, right? Did I get that right? Rob Rob, 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 Rob. I don't like James popped in my head. Uh, so there you go. So pretty much what, what it boils down to is you have to figure out what's more important to your app, what platform it's on. I personally, and it sounds like you said you're probably going to be doing this. So I think you agree with me. I think the more information you can give to someone, especially if they end up on your website, because like, of course, of course, like what you were saying with the app store, if they end up on the app store, that's, that's, of course you have to have a great app store description. But if they are ending up on your website, then you have them at your website and you should try to keep them captive. So I think having a video, detailed information, things that can give them more information of the app will help them make the decision to then go to the app store and buy it because they're already coming to your website. If they were at the app store, this would be a non-starter. I guess though, you know, the more there is to do on your website, the longer they're there, the greater the chances they won't go to the app store. Huh. But of course, you the, can, the other yeah. way is say, well, you didn't give them enough information to make them want to go to the app store. So Right. I, so I, I think know. like if yeah. someone, no, no, no. I, I think from research I've done that the, that the captivity, if someone's interested in something, the more time that they ultimately spend, they'll be peaked. Their interest will be peaked. Mm -hmm. And then they will eventually at least buy it or try it. Obviously, if it's Mac, you could do a trial. If it's sure, not, they have yeah. to buy it. But I think by having a video and something that's interesting, if someone just sees a, a screenshot, goes to the app store and they're like, eh, you know, I can't, I'll, I'll think about it mm -hmm. versus something that compels them into saying, wow, this is good. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's pros and cons. I mean, some cons, uh, you know, cause he asked about cons. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I've always looked at Apple and other successful developers, including panic. And I think a rich experience on the website really matters. Me as a customer, I'll just speak for myself. If I go to a website and there's a lot of product information as I'm digging around, it makes me feel like the product has more substance. Hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, again, that's my input. And um, yeah, hopefully that helps him, whatever he's working what ha on. What happens to me is I go to a product website and I, I just see like, oh my God, there's all this stuff. Do I really have to go through <laughs> this? There's no way I'm going to watch a video because there isn't. There's no way I'm going to watch a video. Or, right, or right, you know, right, right. read all this, you know, it's like, geez, I don't have to learn it in advance before deciding, do I? Oh, God. Get, right, so you're I, not the I demographic. Yeah. No, no, you're not the demographic, but the thing is, and I know there's a lot of users like you, mm -hmm. it's still a small percentage. The huge, vast audience, that, that you know, amount of people that want to do this, they, they do want to see videos. Because mm 
because we'll get emails all the time about our videos. Oh, your video was great. Oh, I wanted to let you know your video helped me buy your app. It was really great to see all the features without having to download, sure, yeah. um, especially for iPhone since we can't offer a trial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just something you might think about if you're not already is making a video, you know, something that shows Vesper in action, mm-hmm. shows why it's great, shows the tagging working, shows how quickly it works. And then letting someone go, oh, this is why I have to have it. Because if someone just sees the app and they're like, oh, I don't get this. But if they see it in action, they might see themselves using it. Right, sure. Yeah, I, I buy that. Um, you buy that I've for, got, a, for I've a got dollar? two designers, you know, they can get on this stuff. Yeah, make them do all well, the work. Well, I have to write the <laughs> damn app. <laughs> Basically direct someone to make the video, right? Well, why yeah, why should I? It really it really would yeah. be John's and Dave's job, not not mine. <laughs> yeah. And they could make a great video, so why of not? Course, yeah. So yeah, but I think I think that's definitely something that that compels a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's that. I think that's it for the glass. So that just there, means there I'm, some... I'm the freak. I'm like, I don't I don't want any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I no, can, no, no. I can I, there's certain no, there's certainly an audience that doesn't want that stuff. I get it. But I think if you actually look at the vast amount of people, I'm sure you've seen the emails. I'm sure you've seen the feedback. I'm sure you know what people are out there that are, you know, the the bigger part of the market buying stuff. Mm-hmm. They like stuff. That's why Apple makes videos, right? Yeah. That's why Apple makes like these launch videos that are insane. Mm-hmm. Think about the amount of money, time, and effort they put into those things. Oh, and God. people would buy their products anyway. Yeah, sure, of course. But it's part of the experience, right? Like, you know, we... We made a video for Fantastic Hell for Mac, iPhone, and Chatology. And the reason why we did that was, I mean, it's just what we do, but everyone has always given us positive feedback, even with the Chatology one. Oh, that's great. Da, 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 da. So mm-hmm. I think it's just part of the experience, and I think ultimately it does lead to more sales. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sure it does. Okay. So um, let's see what else. I, yeah, it's pretty much it for the glass board. There were some other questions uh, about, for me about Tokyo and something with Mavericks, but I answered those on the glass board. So I guess people can go check out the glass board. Um, as usual, if you want to join our glass board, the uh, code word or invitation code is Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. And let us know what questions you'll have for us or what you'd like us to talk about on the next episode. That, that uh, reminds me. No. Uh, I, know, I realize oh, we're just about out of time. We're out of time, We're Brent. almost out of time. Right, we're almost out of time. When I was uh, at the hospice uh, visiting my grandmother, um, I showed her the We Are Sinking video. And uh, <laughs> that's just about the biggest laugh I've seen from her in quite some time. Oh, dude, she thank you. Thank it. you. Yeah. I am grateful to hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, that, that We Are Sinking thing, that's, that's a gem. Oh, it truly is, yeah. This is German Coast Yes, yes. We are Mayday, Mayday. We are sinking. We are sinking. I won't give away the punchline. We'll put it in the show notes again. People should check it so out have if they you, haven't seen it yet. Are we allowed to... Um, let me see. Hold on a second. Are we allowed to do some semi... Like where I guess we are sinking a semi-racist. Well, it wouldn't be racist. It would be... Well, well how would you say that? It's, it's, it's offensive? I mean, I don't even know if it's offensive. My German friends are the ones that gave me the joke right, or yeah. sent me that, that link. And it's, but how would, it's not offensive. It's not offensive, No, no right? it's funny. All right, so I have a joke that that I used to that, that my dentist had told me a while mm-hmm. ago, and since we're talking about like um, cultural funny ways of saying things, I'll throw this one out there. If anyone's offended by it, just let me know. So a guy goes to a doctor and basically is like, "Doctor, I don't know what's wrong, but every time I fart, I hear the word Honda." Doctor's like, "I've never heard of this before, right? So can you do this for me? Is there a chance?" You know. So a guy after some time's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it." And sure enough, the doctor hears Honda as he farts. Hmm. 
So the doctor's trying to figure out what this is. He's like, this is weird. So he sends them to specialists and other guys and no one could figure out why the farts are saying Honda. So he's like, you know, I've sent them to all different specialists. I guess I'll send them to a dentist. And he sends him to the dentist and the dentist opens the guy's mouth and he goes, oh, of course, I know what the problem is. The patient's like, what is it? Come on, what is it? The dentist is like, well, if you have an abscess tooth. He says, abscess tooth, what does that have to do with my farts? And the dentist says, well, don't you see? Abscess makes the fart go Honda. <laughs> That's really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we'll leave it on that. Well, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the hiatus, but I'm sure you guys understand. Yeah, man. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep this regular. I'm sure we'll be back again another two weeks. This episode will go live on August 6th. So we'll hope to have another episode on August 20th. Uh, keep the glass board questions coming. Brent, anything in closing from you? How about you play some more music? I shall do that. Bye, everybody. Bye. Adores a minuet, the ballet russe, and crepe Suzanne. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike.